0: Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast for and about working voice actors I'm Sean Rohani and today is part 2 with Julia Bianco Schelfling we talk game sound con, important skills for mocap work, the importance of bios, and much, much more. I was going to say, if you want to learn more, take Julia's November 2nd class at the HALP Network, but we blew it. It's already sold out. But they have many other amazing classes, so check them out at helpnet.com. Just click on the Academy tab to view classes. Let's do this. I'm sure you've run into moments where you have multiple fives that are kind of the same tonally. So how do you handle that?
1: It depends on voice or performance capture. It's different. And I think that's because most of the time there there aren't as many great performance capture auditions as there can be or similar because people look different. They move different. They're going to do a totally different scene. Whereas in voice, it's more likely that I'll have... Uh, or a lot of fives, if you will.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When I have a bunch of fives or actually just generally when I'm doing it, I try to listen twice, at least twice to the ones that I am sending off. Mm -hmm. And so I, I have a really relatively easy time getting down to about 30. It's getting from 30 down. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then from 20 down, it gets really fucking hard. And you, excuse my language. You start using, you start, you start feeling like a jerk Mm. because there are 20 amazing options. And now you just have to start cutting. Yeah, And that is the part where I wish I could just like send out an auto email saying like, you made it to the top 20. I can't, I don't think, I can't tell if you, if you're going to get this, but Mm -hmm. at least feel good. You made it to the top 20. I'll figure it out one day. Right. But I narrowing down from 20, you then have to start considering the project, the people, the um, relationships, and who's involved, and what they are going to like. Mm -hmm. And you start casting for the person that you are casting for more specifically. So a perfect example is certain directors want voiceover experience, and they don't want someone who's doing a VO-only role to never have done VO-only. If I'm casting for those directors, I'm going to make sure that from 20, I go down to 10 to 12 that have that criteria. Right. Uh, Another one is some some competitive games are like, I don't want any games that are, or anyone who's done large roles in games that are similar. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: that's another thing we'll cut down. And performance and facial capture, sometimes it'll be a facial uh, something or other. Or a body, something a height. Mm-hmm. Perfect example. Height will definitely disqualify people often. Right. And then it's do I know you? That's that's just that is just starting to having to make choices. Right. <laughs> do I know you? Do I know if you're reliable? Mm-hmm. Great, a great person to recommend uh, for this project. Do I know if you've done similar roles? Where they're going to be like, man, I don't want this competitive like voice talent. And, and you just start considering those types of criteria. It's nothing you have control over.
0: Right. So
1: it's a good way to not think about it. Because, mm, sure. because it's really, it's arbitrary half the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and you've, you've had so many different criteria for casting so please let me know if at some point in the future you end up having a director that's like you know what send me all your assholes go to your <laughs> asshole folder i want to work with the the rebels the maniacs i want chaos but um so speaking of like performance capture obviously there are some things physically that can take you out of it but uh, you mentioned earlier like you know, for a cis white male, you might get 300 amazing auditions. But uh, if there's like a specific, they need to, you know, spin plates on their heads or whatever, um, then it can narrow down. So just out of curiosity, what are some of the super specific kind of performance capture or even just VO um, auditions that you've had to figure out how to cast?
1: I do a lot of sports games. So uh, sports, uh, knowledge, abilities, uh, weapons. Mm-hmm. Um for voice creatures, uh, a lot of announcers, um kind of old-timey references and things like that. Um accents but not specialty authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really authenticity is what narrows it. Um right. especially because the way that our industry is approaching authenticity can be a little bit uh difficult to cast. A lot of times they want like this very specific thing uh, and it doesn't take into account that like I think something like 60% or 70% of our country is mixed now Mm so it's like they don't (laughs) they don't design these characters in a lot of mixes or if they do it's such a specific mix that finding it is
0: (laughs) right interesting yeah (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's because I think you know like you said the most important thing is authenticity but sometimes it's not as black and white you know no pun intended but uh, <laughs> to be authentic and it's not always diversity and authenticity aren't always you know following the same exact graph you know on the chart but that's tricky man that's a uh, hats off to you that's that's got to be a challenge but some of the things that you mentioned like sports knowledge or old-timey kind of uh dialogue like there, I'm sure there are plenty of actors that can do a lot of that stuff, but it wouldn't necessarily be in their demo. So, like, how do you find out whether an actor can do stuff like that, and what can they do to be on your radar when you're casting things like that?
1: Um, so, one of the things I preach about all the time is having like a really comprehensive bio. Um, I, I, I believe that every actor should have a website, but if it's not on your website, on your profiles, on your Instagram, on your um, IMDb and it should say who you are and where you came from, uh, where you were raised, what your background and cultural affiliations are. And if you have any proficiency in some kind of, whether it's sports, horses, weapons, anything like that. If it falls into that category and it would be fit into your bio, great. But if it's not something like that, if it's like Soccer and you played soccer casually, but you could definitely kick a ball around. I would put it in your actors access uh, profile and make sure that you have uh, that filled out. And while we don't do a ton of voice casting on actors access and and, um, breakdown services, we do a lot of performance capture casting on there. So if I have 3,000 that come in, I can narrow by typing in football. Mm-hmm. or soccer or whatever and at least it will <laughs> narrow it a little sure. bit down to the people who cared to list it i don't mean that you should have like everything on there right. because there are a lot of actors that will do that as well mm-hmm. but um try to represent your authenticity um on your multiple places on the interwebs
0: mm-hmm. okay and is there one uh you mentioned websites imdb like is there one go-to that you tend to to go the most or do you always check all of them?
1: I think um, IMDB is is the industry's kind of natural default. And I I think it's a necessary evil because it doesn't list games most of the time. You have to be like really proactive about putting your credits on there. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, it's just globally recognized as a place where you can find people's credits. So even if you're a, a voice actor, Like, I suggest everybody have a picture on there. I know you have to pay for it, but it's like, especially if you're doing performance capture, I want to make sure your IMDb has a picture just because when I'm referring it out, they're going to want to see it has a picture Mm -hmm. or else they're going to think you're a voice only person, which is fine, but you don't want them to think that if you're going for a performance capture.
0: Right. Right. Okay.
1: so yeah I think having those and I do tend to lean on breakdown services and actors access that's just kind of uh, been the easiest thing for me Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm using right now I can't say that I won't I definitely have used and used breakdown I mean backstage and casting Mm -hmm. networks but primary is, is breakdown
0: right okay well that's actually I'm sure I sprinkled some in but I ask listeners like if they have any questions that they'd like to ask the the PCAP, MOCAP, casting world, even though obviously you've cast a million different types of things. So, uh, well, let me just uh, ask you a couple of them because they ask some great questions. So one, we mentioned like combat training. One listener asked what combat training should be most prioritized for MOCAP? Is there like one that you tend to run into the most?
1: Um, I think... Depending on who you are and the types of roles you're going for, I would say martial arts and then weapons like guns mm-hmm. and, hun- and understanding how to hold guns and weapons, uh, mm-hmm. mostly guns, uh, properly. Because there's a, there's an overwhelming amount of guns in games. <laughs> and right. So if you have the ability to hold one confidently, uh, it will definitely help on that side of things. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that kind of reminds me because I've heard of stories where people will will l- look at or listen to actor auditions and think they're amazing. And then like there's the, the efforts portion and then it's like, oh, oh, OK, OK, we can't do that. So uh, have you noticed the same kind of thing when it comes to martial arts or weapons training where like an audition's amazing and then like they're supposed to hold a gun and it's like, that's not that's not, <laughs> you know, believable. Is that common? <laughs>
1: I, you would be surprised how many people do not hold a gun properly. It, huh. I think that's more common than uncommon.
0: Wow.
1: It's just, so military experience is like definitely should be in bios. It's definitely, um, you know, a, a check mark. Mm-hmm. So
0: Got it. Okay. I got another question from somebody who I'm sure is in it because it's a, it's a very informed question, but um, they ask for auditions, how is it best to record both? three-quarter to capture the expressions and emotions of an actor, but also wide to cover the range of movement. Do you like those, like, two different angles for each audition?
1: So my my first answer to this will be whatever the casting director says, because they should tell you. And most of them do. And if they don't, maybe even ask, because maybe they forgot. Um, That said, I will either ask for... It completely depends on what it's for. I love seeing a full shot because we wanna see your legs moving, but if it's a dramatic scene, then I may need to see a little bit more of your facial movement. Um, having both options is great, but watching two auditions isn't necessary or always going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just need to make sure whatever the one is first is the primary. Um I've started asking for in in more dramatic scenes I've started asking for like do the dramatic scene a little closer up and then give me some sample walks and gun you know and military crawls and stuff like that at the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but if it's a sports game and it's mocap only, I might not even need to hear your voice so I'm just gonna want full shot and you can do it outside for all I care. <laughs> um, I know there's um, there are actors who are starting to perfect these setups, but I don't, we're in in tech world, right? So whereas I'm sure it would be a faux pas and a self-tape for a TV audition to have earbuds in, mm-hmm. I think it would be perfectly acceptable to have earbuds in for an audition for me if it means I get better sound, but can see you further away. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely think that we're a little bit more flexible on that stuff because of our, you're going to have a helmet on your head in a like or jumpsuit. So
0: (laughs) that is an excellent point. Um, are, Are there things that like, if you have auditions that you think are great and then some make it to the callback stage, like, are there sort of common things that you notice that that might lose somebody in the callback stage or, you know, end up convincing you to book them?
1: bad sound in callbacks because we're doing them on zoom now. Mm -hmm. So that has lost an audition before, but that said, I can't, I don't know that their performance really would have got it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, but attitude Mm -hmm. in games in general, we're looking for flexible, adaptable people, people willing to work and excited to be there. And it doesn't mean that we don't all have bad days, Mm -hmm. but there is definitely an attitude uh, factor there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, right. and, and some, there are some actors that just shine no matter what if, what Zoom call it is. Like the moment they come on, they're just, you can feel them across the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, just trying to be an engaged and excited individual is, is what gets you in. Mm-hmm. And if not for that job, It's, it's your acting performance at the end of the day, but if not for that job, like I have seen so many people get like, even just day player one or two jobs on a mocap stage because they were just a pleasure to work with in their audition. And then someone just edged them out, but we've got you on the list for this, or we're going to bring you in for that just because they loved you.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Um, and I know we talked about obviously different types of auditions and it varies, but mainly we've talked about performance capture, mocap and, and just VO, but there are others that I'm even trying to familiarize myself with. So can you explain some of the other ones that, that I've found you talking about? Like uh, there's likeness, there's face over scanning models for facial capture. Like what's the, what are some of those and what is the casting process like for those?
1: Sure. Um, so Many people make a character for a game. (laughs) Um, Likeness is when they are asking an actor whether or not you're going to be any other part of it. They're going to scan your face and make the character look like you. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's done just as its own thing. And so that is a face scan or scanning models. Body scan, wardrobe scan. Also, things.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Interesting.
1: Uh, Because they scan those things and they turn it into a digital model and then they can alter it from there and it saves lots of time and it makes them photorealistic and things like that. Sometimes they want a performance capture actor to be the face and sometimes they don't. Hmm. So we will cast for performance capture with likeness and we will cast for performance capture without likeness.
0: Mm -hmm. okay and does that like just depend on the client like uh do you tend to find that one route is more common than the other
1: nope depends completely on the client um if you look at like a when you see like nolan look like nolan Mm -hmm. on the screen um or troy look like troy or laura look like laura those are all face scans sure um but there are a lot of games where they don't do Uh, Scans, or they scan very early in the process and they scan models and go with those faces. And then Mm -hmm. they're just looking for someone whose facial structure won't oppose that kind of geometry, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) So they don't necessarily need someone to look like the model, but they just want to make sure that the eyes aren't way further apart or the Mm -hmm. mouth doesn't turn a separate way or something like that.
0: Right. (laughs) This is like figuring out how to cast all these different things and just being involved in a world where something that you just said like we don't want to make sure the eyes fall to the side is like a normal part of the job like does it do you love all of this or can it be because i'd imagine it can still be overwhelming juggling so many different hats and worlds together you know like at least when when that's happened to me it, it can be a little bit more kind of draining fun but draining than like working on the one thing for the same amount of time what's what's it like for you
1: it's definitely hard to juggle but I love the opportunities that we can create because of it it's Mm -hmm. it's so there's so many different ways that we can get actors money (laughs) that's just (laughs) awesome you know like Mm -hmm. so there's you know I I I think the hardest part is not always feeling like I can do as much justice to kind of lifting underrepresented voices as if I was like a little bit slower hmm. because I try to make that a priority in everything I do, but I don't, def- you know, it, it can slip when it's not the first thing you think about. <laughs> right. Uh, so I think that's, that's the biggest thing, but I like being busy and I'm, luckily we're growing and we're getting help. And, um, there are people that we can trust to help us keep continuing to provide these types of things. I think it's really important though. I'm really glad you're asking me about these. Cause I think it's so important to like demystify what they are. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it can be scary because the likeness and the, the face stuff, a lot of times they're asking for it in perpetuity and they want to be able right. to mo- like modify and, Uh, change it but at the end of the day it's like a scanned character model in that game and yes it might appear in another game but like that's your face in a game and that's cool and they could change it up and stuff Mm -hmm. and you would notice it or you wouldn't notice it but I don't know that it needs to be such like a big deal as if like you're going in a movie I don't know Mm -hmm. It, it brings up a lot of thoughts about that stuff i love being able to give actors money though at the end of the day
0: (laughs) and we love that too (laughs) um but yeah that's actually a good point because you know technology can just be scary to a lot of people and like like you said with a likeness and perpetuity sometimes that can that can make people clench their butt cheeks and um totally you, and and even things like uh you know there were some articles that came out about how advanced ai is in terms of doing oh, yeah. believable voiceover so but you like uh you know you tend to correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like you kind of whereas a lot of companies who've uh or businesses who, who've established one way of doing things might kind of get a little bit alarmed because that's how they've done it and it's hard to pivot. It seems like you kind of look forward to figuring out how to move forward with technology. Is that the case?
1: If you are not on the tech side, you cannot be in games and, you know, it's just... I think generally my philosophy on all media is that it's converging and there's going to be a day and age, not too long from now where it's, there's really no difference between going into your Netflix account or your Xbox or steam account. Mm -hmm. And they're all going to be on the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the, the the idea of platforms is so archaic to me. Um, And so I think, and I think, there are a lot more people that are starting to think about IP across the spectrum as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So rather than be scared of it, it's like embrace it and use it and be ahead of the curve uh, than chasing it or being um, mad about it. I mean, back when Pro Tools started, there were so many sound editors that were just like, f this i don't want to use a computer i have this awesome splicing machine oh no (laughs) why would i go to this crazy program right you know and and so it's just people are always resistant to change but it's gonna be happening with or without you so Mm -hmm. get on the bus
0: (laughs) yep that's true yeah you might as well embrace it um
1: and we're the best suited then to take on those challenges like that's mm -hmm. the other thing is like if you're an actor who's been able to hone their skills so that you can go into a voiceover booth on a mocap cage, stage, a cage, that's funny, <laughs> um, into a TV studio, on a film set, like you're going to be able to nail whatever it is that comes your way. Uh, and as technology converges, you're going to be prepared for all of that stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So there's,
1: there's, I mean, Neil Druckmann from Naughty Dog is is directing the hbo last of us series i think that you know the film and tv people would probably be like oh really he's direct you know what i mean like what a what a big deal but like it's converging it's all coming together so yeah
0: yeah especially with the i mean technology has has made that possible and made it less of a shock that something like that from the video game world would would be able to go into live action and it'd be fine Right. It's it's funny that <laughs> I don't think I've heard the word splicing since film <laughs> school when I had to splice film footage together. Um, yeah. The cool thing about that was it was a uh, it was on a um an editing bed that it had a sign that said uh, Jim Morrison used this bed because he went there, which is pretty That's awesome. Amazing. But um, so I, I'm gonna switch it up a little bit, uh, although it's still kind of related. But um, I was wondering if you could talk about uh, game sound con. Um, I'm curious to know what exactly that is for listeners who don't know and what was your involvement with them?
1: Yeah, so I'm uh, the chair of the dialogue and performance track uh, along with Chip Beeman. And we actually started the track. Uh, We've been going to Game Sound Con, which is basically a audio people for games conference. Mm-hmm. and uh, we had been going for a couple of years prior to them having a dialogue track and attending dialogue uh, talks and whatnot prior, and when we became free, if you will, like doing our own thing, we one of the first things we did was approach the founder, Brian Schmidt, and say, are you interested in doing this? If you are, we would be happy to put together all the speakers. Um, we think it's time that there is more discussion on sharing Uh, and demystifying best practices for game dialogue Mm -hmm. and he said i've been thinking about it this whole time and i'm so glad you guys approached me with it and yes Mm -hmm. so this is the third year of the dialogue and performance track uh it's two days and we have speakers from um supergiant games we have um michael syricks from uh, who did bug, bug snacks? And he's mm-hmm. from Bright Skull. We have a, a bunch of other talks and things like that. Um, it is definitely developer focused and right. kind of audio focused. There are some actors that do speak uh, as well as attend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that if you are a, especially because of the price point now, because it's virtual, if you are interested in game VO, it does not hurt to be there. Mm-hmm. uh but the target audience is definitely the developer side. so I believe that's that's the rundown on game Soundcon.
0: okay, cool. So you know you mentioned that game Soundcon is more developer focused but that some actors attend and and it seems like there's still things to learn like would you encourage actors would you think it would be helpful for them to to attend and and see sort of the the dev side of things and learn everything they can?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on your commitment to game game acting. Um, if it's something that you are like, I must be in games. Yes. If it's something like, I know that that's a thing, and I want to make sure that's part of my tool belt. It's not something you have to dive into, mm-hmm. uh, but it is if if you're someone who wants to be in the heart of game performance and game acting, absolutely. Because there's people that will be speaking there that you won't ever get a chance to hear
0: talk. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, I mean, man, it's. I think I alluded to this earlier, but you you do so many different things, juggle so many different hats. You you've started multiple companies from the ground up, like like that's a normal thing to do. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, you're involved with Gabe, SoundCon, and and so many different things. So, like, do you have free time, and do you spend your free time <laughs> in this world still? Like, are there some hobbies totally unrelated to this that that you enjoy doing?
1: Yes. So I love my kid. I have a five-year-old, she's almost six and the work-life balance is really with her. So I pick her up from school almost every day and I get to hang with her and be a mom. And that to me is like the number one multitasking item (laughs) and it's not always easy and she totally watches a lot of tv but it's okay because so did I and we're all good (laughs) (laughs) um but hobbies wise um I'm a I'm a doodler and I also have a little Etsy store that I don't give any love to because I don't have time right (laughs) um which is a a, award ribbons for adults Mm -hmm. and uh I wish that could be a hobby that wasn't a chore because, but how do you sell something and, and yeah. make it a, yeah. So, so it is what it is, but those are some of my things, but I also just really enjoy being outside and um, hiking and the mm-hmm. water, the ocean.
0: Yeah. That's, it's interesting. I saw some of that stuff and I think, I mean, I loved all of them, but first place, like, <laughs> how can you not enjoy that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I hate to sort of make it sound like I'm I'm wondering if your desire to be a present mom is has has made you profit on the work side. But I'm just curious, like being a mom and seeing your young daughter at her age and how she absorbs everything around her. Like, are there things that you've noticed hanging out with her that sort of influenced business decisions Or like, oh, this is kind of how she's absorbing content. Like, you know, maybe I should focus on this, you know? <laughs>
1: That's interesting. I, we watch a lot of, uh, animated stuff together. Mm. So I hear a lot of my friends and my people all the time. <laughs> so I think that's like the number one thing is like, I'll, I'll be, you know, texting America young. Cause the new Barbie movie came out and it's like 7am. And I'm like, Oh, we already watched it. And she's like, Oh wow. That's impressive. You know? <laughs> um, but in terms of, uh, I'm always watching the credits and the people that are making the things and I'm, it's so excited by the content that's being put out right now. Like, I just think we're in a golden age of, of content and it's, it's overwhelming because there's so much good stuff, but especially for kids, like all the new things that Chris me is putting out with like Ada Mm. Twist scientist and, and Rick Ridley Jones and the, there's just so much good kids content. Even Danger Force on Nickelodeon is like not animated, but they they have it's one of the first shows where I've noticed um that they've normalized multiple gendered relationships. Mm. And so it would uh, on a kid's show, which that is something I'm still waiting to see a little bit more of. There's a lot of kids that'll have like gay parents or something like that right. but then they still always have like a heterosexual or a, yeah heterosexual um love interest right and uh so that's been something but I can't say that I've actually put into play anything more than I've had auditioned an actress who I found on one of her shows and I couldn't get her voice out of my head and so I went and searched her on IMDb and I brought her in for a role. She didn't book it, but I got her to
0: audition for it. I see. Okay, that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> you can't turn it off, can you? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> that wraps up my chat with Julia Bianco Schoffling. How great was Julia, you guys? And how invaluable were the tips? Which tips, you ask? Oh, just tip number one. I've said versions of this many times, but you better be kind and easy to work with. When Julia has to narrow down 30 incredible finalist auditions, her knowing that you're kind and reliable to work with always factors into her final selects. Two. Have a really comprehensive bio on your website, or Insta, or IMDb, or wherever. If you are of a specific ethnic background, grew up in a specific city or country, or have special skills and knowledge like sports or weapons and creature voices, including this info in your bio really helps casting directors like Julia authentically cast sport games, war games, and the many other projects that require specific skills. And three, diversify your skill set and embrace technological changes. Like Julia says, as technology advances, there will likely be a time when multiple platforms no longer exist and games, shows, movies, virtual reality will be accessible from a single source. If you can spread your skills to train in VO, PCAP, on-camera, and other forms of acting, you'll be better prepared for the changes that may come. And on that ominous note, may all you voice actors keep acting up.